0: All right, I'm welcome to From Many People's Strength, the podcast where we cover Saskatchewan, current events, and politics. And my name is Corey, and I'm, my pronouns are he and him. And my name is David, and my pronouns are they and them. I'm okay with he and him as well. And we've been on a bit of a break. <laughs> we did come we back have. for a quick yep. show.
1: <laughs> yes, and then I was, yeah, I was gone again, so that was...
0: Yeah, no, it's good though. It's good to have a break when you need it. Like it can be a lot to be absorbing news all the time.
1: <laughs> I, I would like to say I didn't absorb news uh, while I wasn't doing the podcast, but sadly that was not, not <laughs> you quite You were still the case, in but. there all
0: the time, eh? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, uh,
0: we got a, a comment on Reddit on the, uh, uh, previous episode, uh, talking about how, uh, we should change our whole show. We need to take a, a historical approach, and we need to do more educational stuff, and be more—what uh, uh, was it? More generous to the conservative perspectives, and like, uh, well, we need to do a whole other show, not this show. <laughs> so that sounds like a lovely show for someone to do. If there's <laughs> one of our
1: listeners who wants to do that, they—they they should. That would I. They should, in fact. I do don't listen show. to podcasts, so I wouldn't listen to it. <laughs>
0: I also would Um, not listen to that show, but if they choose to do that show, that is totally their call. Like
1: like that, that exists already though. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like that doesn't happen. like anyone who wants, it's not a podcast, but like people can listen to John Gormley and every single other news talk commentary (laughs) hours upon hours a day, every day on that station. Right. Like that, that's, it's every there. like the actual <laughs> similar to Fox, right? The actual news news is usually relatively good, and everything yep. that's commentary has yeah a uh, a Fox News like slap <laughs> to it. So, if you want that, you have a radio station you can listen to that twenty one hours a day. Yep. Um. Yep. We don't need to fill that niche. <laughs> that niche is there. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It's, niche it's is like, what we do is, is there, there's more people doing it too. I know when you and I yes. first started this, it was because there's like, Hey, there's nothing really talking about the news in Saskatchewan from a, a more uh, leftist perspective. Um, there's kind of a, a, a niche that's being missed and that niche has been filled by a lot of people, which is great. Um, yep. I still yeah. like getting together with you every couple of weeks and chatting. And if we can film it and let other people watch it, that's cool too. Um, yep. But and, uh, although and- I will say, I will say <laughs> if the person who wants that show to exist would like to pay us to do that show. Hey, that's a great There is probably idea. a price in which I could be employed. <laughs> I don't know what it would be because I, could, I would probably have to quit my own job because of like all sorts of, rules and whatnot if i'm getting paid to do something like this outside of work yeah. but uh yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah make make an offer we'll we'll see if it's worth we'll see where we're at making yeah. that show for you if you are a producer of some kind <laughs> i'm willing to be hired i'll sell my soul
0: paging uh who's in charge of cjme right now <laughs> hmm. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: yeah no, actually, I don't think I could make that show. Uh, it would be yeah, antithetical fair. to my very personality. So, <laughs> so I, I guess could
1: try. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could give it
0: a shot. I'd be at fired pretty fast, though. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so I guess, though. like we, like it's not like we don't, from time to time, try and get underneath where. The right is coming from um, yeah. I think I, I know for me at least When I try and make like When I make criticisms I try And do it within the framework of Where a more conservative Person might come from I obviously Don't have those same Viewpoints but right. if I'm Going to if I'm going to criticize Mo or Polyev or Kenny or someone like that as To why They are not Why they are problematic, even as a conservative leader, Um, there's not a lot of value in coming in and saying, "Well, they're a conservative." Like that doesn't, like that that's not really going to get much traction. And that's like we know that that's that's where they're coming from.
0: Yeah, and we can on occasion, yeah, we
1: can
0: we can on occasion point out the problems with the conservative viewpoint. Yep, but yeah, if we're gonna. can criticize individual people. Like we actually, actually have to be critical in a way that conservatives will listen to. Yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, I guess I, I it, it's almost a, a like you and I joke about it now where I even talk frequently about if you're, if you want to have the whole, let's run government like a business. If you want to do, you know, approach this from <laughs> yeah. how can we be cost effective? Let's even take the ethical viewpoint off the table because I know my ethics are going to be different from a lot of people, but even just take ethics out of the picture, let's look at raw dollars and cents. Yeah. That's like, that should be a conservative viewpoint. Shouldn't it? Like, (laughs) isn't like, isn't being good with money, being good for the economy, paying attention to uh, the deficit, things like that. I thought that was the thing they claim is a conservative value. And I talk about that a lot, probably too much at times on this (laughs) podcast. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, I'm glad people are engaging. I'm glad they're giving comments. Yeah, um yeah.
0: but we also got a great comment on Facebook uh thanking us for coming back and and happy that we were producing again. So then we took another <laughs> big break, but we're back again.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that people listen. Um I'm always a little bit blown away that they are. Um it's kind of cool. But.
0: And it is it is more all the time. So Welcome if you're a new listener. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good though. And now I
1: Can guess we tackle the elephant right well. in the room.
0: Yeah, let's talk about uh I guess I won't I won't bring up the story uh but obviously this past week there was uh multiple stabbings by, by Miles Sanderson uh on the uh well in in multiple places I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Miles Sanderson stabbed 10, well, killed 10 people and injured uh, 19, I believe it was. And I don't really have a whole lot that I can say about the actual incidents, except that it's obviously uh, very tragic and uh, I feel I feel terrible for the victims and their families and their community. Um, I recently was listening to something and they were talking about how the community has also had, not, not not just had to deal with these stabbings and the tragedy, but also had to be harassed by uh, media from outside of Saskatchewan that was coming in and just to bang out a headline and they were kind of being bothersome and harassing the the people in the community. So mm-hmm. there actually was a time, a point where uh, the reserve banned media from within the reserve uh, for the well-being of the community. So I kind of, I feel for them. I, I I obviously like that makes perfect sense to me. Like you don't want a bunch of people coming in and asking questions when you're going through something traumatic. Um, the, the article that we actually do have in the show notes is talking about uh, uh, the discussion around uh, the parole and the release of Miles Sanderson. And, and it's, it's it's a tough call. I know. Uh, I've heard a lot lately. the the line uh, Hard cases make bad law, and and this is a case where if you make a judgment, a blanket uh, kind of law on this case, then that is not accurate to the majority of cases. This is kind of a this is kind of a one off. This is a, an individual who was particularly troubled in dealing with a particular mental state and, and way of doing like dealing with society. Uh, You can't apply that same logic to everybody and say, well, we have to have stricter parole release uh, rules. I've also seen uh, a number of people who, who kind of use cases like this to kind of undermine, uh, believe they believe that this undermines the police abolition uh, movement. And I don't, I don't think that's right either. I think that uh, cases like this, um, I mean, they make you want to protect people and they make you want to uh, keep everyone safe, but that doesn't mean that we, uh, we're doing things the right way. Now. Uh, Often I, I find and believe that the way that we're currently doing things often is what leads to creating, making people more brutal and more uh, damaged and, and then, and then they this things like this happen.
1: It's one of the recurring things we've talked about since we've started doing this show is how humans as a whole are really bad at evaluating risk. Um, and very specifically, we are bad at overplaying acute risk and downplaying chronic risk. Um, and so anytime there is an acute event um, and this is about as uh, acute as you can get um it it shifts a perspective in a way that's probably not very accurate right. um, and i when you talk about you know police abolition um like this is one of those circumstances um and no one can know you know can second guess but if someone wants to step in and second guess the release of the parole, I would argue then we also need to second guess the incarceration in the first place. No, then we need to second guess the system that prioritizes punishment over healing. Um, like I, I would have rather the violence done by Sanderson just not have been done in the first place. rather than worrying about, are we punishing it sufficiently enough? Yeah. Um, Like I, I would, I, I, at the end of the day, what are we doing to make sure that violence just doesn't happen? Um, Right. How are we preventing it? Um, And studies, again, studies have shown, um, you know, time and time again, that putting people in jail makes them more violent. Um, And that, literally there would be less crime if you just ignored crime. Like literally if you just didn't put people in jail at all when they commit crime, it actually reduces crime because jails increase crime just by virtue of people being in them. Um, And unless you want to start going down the road of like science fiction dystopia where you're like, okay, the, the first time, Anyone does anything wrong, they're in jail for life. Um, right. You're you're gonna, you know, you're going to have a carceral justice system that increases crime in society as a whole. Um, but again, th- this case isn't the case to be talking about it. I guess. I guess now that I have, um, <laughs> I don't want to be pretty yeah. either on it. But, um, I think yeah. right, hard cases make bad laws. Um, I, I think when we take a step. Back there are lots and lots of other data points that can accurately make the argument, um, and I don't think this one undoes that argument. Despite some people right. using it that way, um, but, yeah, yeah, it's
0: it's unfortunate that when one tries to make points like that, like uh, to say, like, okay, this is not the case to make a new law or make things harsher or, or, you know, uh, talk about, har- uh, stricter punishments or guidelines that people will think that you don't care or that you're apo- being an apologist for the person who was causing harm. Like in this case, like we're not, an, we're not apologizing. We're not making excuses for Miles Sanderson. He did what he did and it's awful and he shouldn't have done it. And but we have to look for root causes, right? Like we have to actually think about what happened that led up to this. It didn't come out of nowhere. Like these things aren't in a vacuum where they just happen. So we have to try to understand what happened and how we can actually get to the root cause and prevent it from happening in the first place. <laughs> so, again, I, I don't know. I, can, I feel awful for the, the community and the families and I just don't know. It, with the way the system is currently, I don't know how to prevent this sort of thing from happening entirely.
1: I don't think, yeah, with the current system, we can't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like that's, that's the end of it. And um, I, I don't know what much, like there probably isn't that much more to say, so we can sort of move on <laughs> to a, another, another topic. Um, yeah. You know, it, I think it would have been um, a pretty glaring omission had we not talked about it at all. Um, right. But at the end of the day, I think, where where you and I have tended to talk about things has been less about just saying what happened in the news and more about policies and outcomes. Um, I think we're going to see some policies and outcomes come from this over time, um, and I'm worried about what those could look like. Um, but I think we need to talk about those, you know, two weeks, four weeks from now, six months, two years from now, and I think and they that's start where,
0: being proposed.
1: Yeah, I think that's where I'm um, sort of. You and I can have maybe a little bit more discussion around the the event than, than just today.
0: Yep. For sure. uh, Conservative members pick MP Pierre Polievre to be their new leader with a sixty eight point one five percent of the points on the first ballot for a decisive win. Uh, so that this is who leads the Conservative Party of Canada now, um, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of hot takes going on. Uh, people thinking that this means that the conservative party is, uh, irrelevant now. Uh, this people thinking that this makes the conservative party extra dangerous now. Uh, I'm not sure where I land on say those kind of perspectives, but I, I do, I do want to make an appeal to my fellow Saskatchewan workers that this man does not represent working class people. <laughs> if you're looking for someone who is not Uh, a quote-unquote uh politician normal politician this man who has been in the parliament since 2004 since he was 25 years old a career politician with no other previous job experience is not who you want (laughs) yeah that's my appeal to fellow saskatchewan workers (laughs) this somebody said uh that he has been in, uh, parliament since 2004. Uh, parliament, uh, members of parliament make $185,000 a year. And he has, uh, earned in that time over $3 million from his time in, uh, parliament. In 2004, I made $30,000 working 60 hours a week <laughs> at, a, at a labor job doing road surveying. Yeah. Uh, me and him don't live in the same world. <laughs> So I don't, I don't know. I don't think that yeah. even if I had no other ethical disagreements with this person, I don't think that I would uh, be able to see him as my representative.
1: Yeah, he kind of is everything the conservatives claim Trudeau was,
0: right? Like, <laughs> or, yeah, kind of.
1: Like they they undermine sort of Trudeau's job, and which was this weird sort of pretending teacher isn't a real job. Right. Um, they did this, this <laughs> bizarre thing um where in spite of Trudeau having been a French teacher and a math teacher, um, they decided that he was a drama teacher, even though right. he he wasn't. It was just this weird sort of let's just make up shit about Trudeau and talk about how he has no real world experience and all of this. And like, to be fair, Trudeau also doesn't live in the same world as you or I. No, like he obviously right. grew up with privilege. Yeah. Um like I don't think anyone denies that you know Trudeau um you know grew up in a a very privileged world. Um but Trudeau has like Trudeau literally has more real world experience than Polyev does. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but again, like I I think at this point one of the things Polyev does, um and sort of to both of those points around the hot takes is Paulyev strips the veneer from the conservatives. And at this point, there's nothing but to say they are who they, they are who we said they were. Right. Right. This, this, the conservatives have resoundingly embraced everything. Those of us on the left have been saying the conservatives are. Yeah. Um, right. So from a conservative Perspective, you know, going back to the <laughs> comment from the top of the show, like, yeah, um, you you do have a leader who, um, was, you know, aligned himself with the Freedom Convoy, has aligned himself with um, anti queer movements, um, has um, aligned himself with. Um, anti-abortion movements. Um, he has very, um, clearly set himself up as a social conservative. Um, and the type of social conservative who says, you know, we're not going to open up things as a government, but then leave back doors open for private member bills and things like that. So, yeah. um, this isn't a, um, a leadership vote where, you know, Jean Charest came in with, you know, 45% and Polyev won on a third ballot or fourth ballot or. <laughs> right. You know, it, it, it was 68%. Polyev had 68% of the vote. The party resoundingly said this is not a party that includes Jean Charest. He got, um, 16. Charest got 16%. Um, this is not a party that continues to include the progressive conservatives. no the progressive no. conservatives have been gone for quite some time um, but any like i said any veneer that this is a united conservative party that this is the combination of the two parties that merged together um and and brought in stephen harper uh is gone yeah no um, this is, this is the reform party. Um, yep, yep. This is you know, this is the reform party without the pop, without a lot of the sort of <laughs> the grassroots populist parts. Um, yeah, that's they right. They got rid of their, they got rid of Senate reform as a, um, a platform point. They got rid of um, public referendums. Um, they got rid of a lot of the parts within the um, the reform party that was anti big business. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it happened to the social conservative
0: elements, yeah so yeah they're they're uh they kept the big business corporate ties and also added social conservatism, <laughs>
1: yeah, so I would argue instead of taking the you know the progressive conservatism and the reform and keeping the best of both, they've taken the two and kept the worst of both, but again that i'm I'm not their target demographic, um, Yeah, I don't think I ever could be. Um I I think I, um, I'm it's hard for
0: me to like prog- prognosticate about uh future elections or what have you but I I am concerned that there is an appeal to this that uh mm. that you know will grab on to people if they're disillusioned with the Liberal Party uh because there are a lot of people disillusioned with the Liberal Party right now. Uh Yep. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the liberals either, uh, but I just, I'm not, I'm an even less fan of
1: the conservatives. So fair, Um, and (laughs) like, yeah, I, I don't know what much more, what more to say. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think as far as the, um, whether or not they're irrelevant or whether or not there should be worried. I definitely think, excuse me, I definitely think we should be worried. Um, I, I think, because I, I, think, Anything can happen in politics, so he very well could win. Um, And I think what comes what it comes down to. I don't think he's going to change his stripes. I think he is who he's shown himself to be, and now begins the next, you know, two to three years of him trying to convince the Toronto suburbs and edmonton and um vancouver suburbs that he is palatable enough you know yeah. i've talked about it before right can can people can people who are sort of center conservatives still vote for him and look their grandchildren in the eye um it'd be a tough poll i think
0: but, <laughs> <clears throat> but some that, days that's the next two that's the next yeah. two years right the next yeah, two years right.
1: is is the pivot And we'll see it. We'll turn, we'll see the pivot that, you know, Harper did and Shear tried to do and, and, and was not so much successful with. Yeah. Um, and like he will try and position himself as everything he claimed Charade was. Uh, he's going to try and position himself as a moderate. He's going to try and position yeah. himself I, or, or maybe not. Maybe, he, maybe I'm completely wrong and he'll continue to do photo ops with the, the convoy and, um, and see if he can get enough.
0: Is, if he yeah. gets
1: Trump approach. Yeah. If he it is appealing opinion.
0: to the worst uh, impulses of uh, voters going to be the way to go. Like, Is Saskatchewan and Alberta voting for him going to be enough to propel him (laughs) into the prime minister's seat? Like, I don't know. (laughs) It's (sighs) messed up. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. No,
1: it's, yeah. I'm curious as to see where he goes. Um, It's, uh, it's, I think this is obviously not the end of this story. Um, Right. Yeah. So we'll. We'll keep an eye on it. <laughs> keep an eye on it. And um I, I think again there's a there's a strong Alberta and Saskatchewan element to it because that is very much his base. Um yep. he's sort of the anti shear where Shear was from Ottawa and like carpet bagged into Saskatchewan. Um Polyev, you know, was lived in Alberta and then carpet bagged into Ottawa. So Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. one of these days you are going to need to have like a federal leader who actually represents the riding they live. That would be, <laughs> that <laughs> that would be that's neat. Right. Yeah, that would be
0: neat. Well, moving yeah, on. I think, I
1: think Paulie did this funny. Yeah. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Well, I was going <laughs> to say because it was like Paulie. It's bizarre because right? he did, literally did the exact opposite that Shear did. Because <laughs> Shear lived in. Ontario his entire life and then literally just moved to Saskatchewan to run for office because it was a an available seat and like moved to Saskatchewan just barely in time to even qualify for running for the seat that he ran for. And then Pauliev lived in Saskatchewan and Alberta his whole life. Right. Um, and then moved <laughs> to Ottawa just in time to like barely in time to qualify to run for a seat and for Carlton. So I, I they should have swapped. I <laughs> yep. Yeah,
0: that would have been better.
1: <laughs> actually, I actually run for the riding you actually live in.
0: During our break, yeah, we'll we'll cover. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about this uh, legacy Christian school and uh, allegations of abuse. And uh, there has been a few events that kind of rolled out at that time when it was first coming out. Um, so, <laughs> where to start? Uh, so on. See, this was on August second. So this is quite a while ago. Um, there's a exorcisms, violent discipline, and other abuse alleged by former students of a private Sask Christian school. <clears throat> and these have so far been discussed a myriad of times uh, in the media. Um, <clears throat> there's been a lot of different takes on it. Like uh, it, I'm not going to get into the details of the actual. Oh, sorry, the actual abuse. But uh, there's lots of talk now since this came out about uh, the p- funding structure for private schools and the standards to which they are held and the ways that uh, whether this school in particular should be allowed to operate. And I mean, we come out of like a, uh, <clears throat> we both are part of the atheist community for a long time. So we, we were against religious schools in many ways beforehand. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how, uh, how unbiased I can look at this. Like, I, to me, uh, I've been wa- looking at stories of exorcisms in schools and to children and like people with mental illness for a decade. And it's always been clearly abusive and messed up and it's awful. And no, this school
1: shouldn't have any funding. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. It's funny, this, this topic is uh the one of all the things i have talked about in a public forum over the years of all of the somewhat controversial things i have said this is the topic that by far has led to the most death threats that i have received is that right <laughs> yeah. um uh trying it was probably about 10 years ago, maybe less um, was on Gormley talking about unifying school systems. And, and that was about the Catholic school system rather than private Christian school system right. was on Gormley talking about it and talking and, and, and met with um, the NDP caucus and uh, you know, submitted a petition to Brad wall and all of that. And it was, it was, it was a some somewhat big deal, but yeah, that was, that was like I'd say nightmarish, but like, there were a couple nights where I was literally like crying because of the abuse and wow. the vitriol I got from it. Um, I had people, I had to go onto my social media and, um, remove any connections to family members because there were people who were messaging my sister and my spouse, wow. and yeah. friends. And basically, yeah, it was, it was getting to this point where, um, Christians, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: were, raining down so much abuse um, on myself and my family because I had the audacity to suggest that um, we should have a single publicly funded school system that doesn't give preferential treatment to one religion over others um, yeah. so I I too have a hard time being somewhat <laughs> unbiased on this um, at the yeah. end of the day the college um one of them though as well is even like even aside from the religious aspect I don't think non-religious private schools should be receiving government funding either. Um right. it, like yeah we we have public school we we know public schooling is one of the single most powerful forces for uh, social equality in society. Yeah. Yeah um if you, are, if, you are, if you are a passionate believer of a capitalist system and that capitalism <laughs> helps create social mobility um, and that social mobility is a good thing, public schools are one of the greatest forces that allow for that. They are one of the greatest forces that fuels the effectiveness of a capitalist system because without, ca- without public schooling, all of the people you need to have competing don't have a entry point to enter the competition because if you believe in if you believe that sort of the capitalist model the capitalist model is efficient and good and powerful because people compete and that that competition sort of elevates um everyone um I'm going to be. I'm going to come up with a better idea to compete with the next guy over. I'm going to build a better mousetrap. If only one person knows how to build a mousetrap, capitalism doesn't work. If everyone knows how to build a mousetrap, then we're all trying to come up with ways of building a better mousetrap, and the system can work. Um, you need public education. If you keep fucking with the education, have- <laughs> yeah. If you if you don't have that, you cease to have capitalism. Yeah. At least. You cease to have capitalism as it was envisioned by those who believe capitalism is a good system. Right. Um, and and it, it's, you know, you talk about um, the softening of the hard edges of capitalism. That's what public education can do. Um, so when you remove, if you take funding from public education and start giving it to private schools, you make everyone suffer because then you also have issues with these private schools, not having oversight and it can Mm -hmm. lead to abuse and um, you take away the other, like then you don't even not even worrying about that economic side, not even worrying about the piece that I was just talking about. You then also have the, at what point do we as a society say, no, we're not okay with children being abused. Yeah. That's right. And we've like spent the last two years hearing conservatives throw the word grooming out any time they hear someone is oh, gay. Yeah. um and this, that, and the other thing that, that, that all of a sudden, um, you know child abuse becomes this thing that they're going to bring up anytime they don't like anyone, um, whether abuse is happening or not, they they find out a drag queen is doing Story time at a library, right. yeah. in public, not behind closed doors. In, you know, with library back there. And yeah, the only people attend are uh, children whose parents brought them to the event. That's that gets thrown out as grooming. Whereas the whole time, the whole time it was happening, many of the same people complaining about drag queen story time are themselves behind closed doors violently and horrifically abusing children.
0: So if you defend legacy school or the system of abuse, then I'm afraid I don't take you seriously when you say that you care about children, how it is. I often, uh, I mean, it's kind of an aside, but the, I often think of the grooming conversation as like kind of a, a psycho fantasy for, uh, violent right wingers who want, an excuse to do damage to uh, queer and LGBT people. Uh, they just, it's, it's a nonsense. Like it's just an excuse to have a violent fantasy about hurting somebody. They don't care about children. They
1: really do not. Uh,
0: In Saskatchewan, we now have someone who is doing uh, advocacy for uh, a pro choice. So yeah, SAS group plans billboards to counter anti-abortion messages lining provin- province's highways. The majority, large majority of our province is of the belief that b- abortion is healthcare, according to organizer. Megan Johnston is, uh, putting up pro-abortion billboards in, uh, around Saskatchewan. They have a, she has a GoFundMe that, uh, we will provide a link for in the show notes. <laughs> um, I follow her on Instagram. <laughs> That's very cool stuff. Uh. Because we do have like a, a huge, huge pro-life movement in Saskatchewan too. They have a lot of funding. They've put billboards all over the province, uh, so it would it'll be good to have some uh, a counter to that.
1: Yeah, no, it's good, and she's right. Like if you look at polling, um, it's it's pretty consistent. Well, it's very consistent in Canada as a whole. Um, even in Saskatchewan, though, it, it's. We we are still a pro-choice province. Um, yeah, like the yeah. majority of the province, in their private beliefs, believes that the law should allow for abortion.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a, a, a an anecdotal limb here, <laughs> and and say that uh, the majority of people that I have met in my life in Saskatchewan are not religious fundamentalists who care about the pro-life message, or uh, even about the uh, the school thing, like they don't, they, they many of them are uh, non-religious in, in that they just don't do religion, like they go to work, they do their life, they watch football on Sundays, and that's their life, rather than going to church. There's still a very large church-going community in Saskatchewan too, but like even people who our believers, a lot of them in Saskatchewan are not even close to the fundamental view of things. So it doesn't entirely surprise me that the, the polling would be like in favor
1: of choice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you look just, this was a, I found a poll. I can add it to the show notes here as well. Um, um, There was a poll done recently, just a couple months ago um, by Incitrix. Um about uh Saskatchewan residents and their view of the United States overturning a roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Um 77% of Saskatchewan residents opposed the <laughs> US overturning of Roe v. Wade. 16 percent strongly oppose, um, eleven percent somewhat oppose, seven percent somewhat support, twelve percent strongly support, three percent prefer not to say. And it like That's pretty overwhelming majority 77%. Like that is overwhelming. Um, And across every demographic, um, male, female, Saskatoon, Regina, the north of the province, the south of the province, religious and non-religious. Amongst people in Saskatchewan who identify as religious, 69% opposed (laughs) the overturning of Roe v. Wade and only 28% supported it. Seems pretty cut and dry. Yeah. If you look at abortion as a whole, so take Roe v. Wade out of it, um, people who believe that abortion should be uh, legal under any or most circumstances, it is 75% of the province. 47 any circumstance whatsoever, uh, 28% most circumstance. Um, only 3% of the province believe abortion should be um, illegal in all circumstances or, or legal in no circumstances. 3% I right. believe it should never be legal. So almost nobody. That's Saskatchewan. <laughs> also, almost nobody. And yeah. yet, you still have, like, the one category I'm guessing that that doesn't include is politicians. Yes, that's right. So. Yeah. So it might
0: be, you know, if people will actually care about the choice and it might be good to like actually pay attention to what the politicians you are supporting are saying about this, and if they don't say anything, maybe ask them and make sure they don't dodge the question because it can it can be informative, and if you believe in maintaining choice for people, maybe you should be watching
1: what they're saying all right i got I got somewhat sidetracked there no nope, that's perfect that that was awesome <laughs> so but yeah the but, but. Billboards are good. Um, I think this is the one thing where I, um, where I, I think there's an issue, or that where where you run into when you run into problems of those who do oppose abortion. I again, this is sort of anecdotal and observational, and I I, I don't even know how you would get the data to this. It's it's somewhat granular um, amongst those who oppose abortion. They are more likely to make it a voting issue. Mm-hmm. So of yeah. that, of that seventy-seven percent of the province who supports the right to abortion, um, how many of those would let it influence the party they vote for? Based on the number of people in this province who vote for the Sask Party, um, I, I, it, it can't be. It can't be a lot. Yeah. Uh, Whereas amongst the 25% or the 20, I guess the 20% who oppose abortion, I I think that is a, that is a swing issue for them. And I think that holds true. I think that holds true across the political spectrum because this isn't a uniquely Canadian thing either in the U S in spite of, um, what, how it may appear when you look at opinion polling, um, it's, um,
0: Two thirds of uh, yeah. Americans, yeah. at least, uh, support abortion rights or choice. So, yeah. on some level, so. so.
1: But again, it just comes down to how many of them are willing to let it change who they vote for. Um, and
0: and I want like I don't know how about in the states like it's such a a prevalent issue there. So you you would think people would know their stance of their politician, right? Um, but here, I wonder if people just take it for granted that. This is a thing that is accepted. We don't talk about it. So therefore, it's not something that I vote on. But if it was more publicly aware, maybe they would more.
1: But I think one of the things, it's going full circle again to the top of the show. Humans are really bad at acute versus chronic issues, right? Yeah, true. Um, we don't have an acute issue with abortion rights in Saskatchewan. Um, we don't have a overturning of Roe v. Wade. But we certainly have a chronic one where access has been yeah. slowly strangled over the last 15 years, um, where less and less places to get abortions, um, where you have people in some parts of this province needing to travel hours upon hours to get to a, a facility where they can get one performed, um, where it's legal at any point but not actually accessible after you know a certain number of weeks um so it, it's it we have this thing in canada where we, we we don't necessarily have the big fights that they have in the u.s but we just have conservatives slowly but surely taking people's rights away but don't make a big deal about it they don't yeah. grandstand about it like they do in the u.s um but honestly i I don't know what's worse because in the U S they've spent 20 years talking or 30 years or 40 years at this point, talking about how they're going to repeal Roe v. Wade, but never actually doing it until recently. Yeah. In Canada, our conservative politicians don't talk about it. They don't, they say, Oh, no, no, that's settled law or and they, were, they just you know, slowly. A, a Stephen Harper government will not open this issue while behind the scenes, just slowly but surely reducing access yeah. and funding anti-abortion groups overseas and yeah. you know shifting the narrative subtly and slowly as part of policy as opposed to as part of law yeah yeah anyways there's um, my uh, you, you said you had a good story and a positive story and i kind of <laughs>
0: hey that's the world we live in at <laughs> um, the end of okay, the day so- abortion is healthcare Yes. Yeah.
1: And should be free and legal. Like for the
0: last um,
1: 10 minutes. Um, I, affordability checks. Um, I think we take a minute or two to talk about. I don't know if that needs to be a touch on much, but I think it's uh, an interesting story. Um, I think it's it's, what I find fascinating about it is my entire life. I keep getting told by conservative governments that left-wing <laughs> governments are going to try to bribe voters with their own money. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I think right now, getting money back into people's pockets so that people can spend, like, that's it's a yeah, good that's thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, that's good.
0: It's good for the yeah. economy and whatnot. Um, yeah. I I see a, a billion-dollar surplus. And I'm always struck by the idea, like, how did, like, why isn't that money allocated to something? This, they say, was a surplus because of uh, revenues from energy or oil commodities. But I don't know, education was underfunded quite a bit this year. <laughs> and,
1: yeah. And healthcare and education get hit when energy prices were low. And now that energy they price is get, going back up. No, uh,
0: that money needs to go um, back in there. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, the, the day that this came out, the, I said on Twitter, like I said, like a government that is uh has a billion dollar surplus is a government that underspent on services by a billion dollars. <laughs> it seems pretty plain to me. Yeah.
1: If it's a one time, like that's, I guess that's where yeah, the issue comes yeah. in is if it's a one time and it's, you're, you don't, then it's not f- a funded expense, but right. we've depleted our rainy day fund. If nothing else, Wasn't even <laughs> if you didn't put it back into healthcare and education, at the very least, you know, I, I could, I could see the rainy day fund. The, I, the, the other argument though, of course, um, being the, we need to like, we need to put an injection in the economy right now. People are hurting and this is something you can do to try and get some spending. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it was a weird decision all around I'm not a hundred percent sure <laughs> if it was the right one or not, but.
0: I was, I was kind of wondering uh, because my partner is only a, a permanent resident and not a uh, quote unquote citizen. Like I was curious how that would work, but it, it appears that anyone who paid taxes in uh, the previous year will get the check, uh, th- like from the Saskatchewan government. So, if you have two two tax-paying people in your home, you'll get a thousand dollars. That's nice. So, uh, we kind of talked about this uh, this one story. We talked about how uh, the University of Saskatchewan was supposed to have a plan uh, so that they could uh, make sure that there wasn't uh, people uh, faking Indigenous status so that they could uh, get into jobs meant for Indigenous people. Uh, And it seems that uh, they're going to be using status cards and the Métis Registry. So, unfortunately, this leaves a lot of people out. Um, There's been a lot of flaws pointed out by various uh, Indigenous peoples that I've uh, seen, uh, uh, you know, read about. But uh, yeah, this is the plan. They're going to use, I, I don't know how much, they said they were going to consult with uh, Indigenous communities and whatnot. Yes, Mark Ackland, Tribal yeah. Chief of the Saskatoon Tribal Council, says uh, the U of S is on the right track. So I don't know.
1: I think this is yeah. one of those ones where
0: I think we uh, need to talk about it.
1: Sorry. We need to let people know that it's happening. We talk about major yeah. events in the news. Very much out of my lane. Um, again, I think it's, um, yeah, it, it's, this needs to be decided by the indigenous community and hopefully the, um, university listens. I, the issue you run into is it's the indigenous community is not a monolith, right? It's not yeah. that everyone agrees within the community as to, uh, to how that works. But.
0: Yeah, which is where you're going to get various uh, criticisms and, and uh, people in favor of this policy. But we're running up on our hour now, so I guess we'll do our uh, our closing. If you want to f- check out the show, you can do that at uh, anchor.fm slash frommanypeoples. Our Twitter is at skpoliticspod. It's been very quiet lately. I'm usually active on my other Twitter. <laughs> um our Facebook we page back is- onto
1: Twitter for all of like five minutes over the last <laughs> couple of months and then left after about six minutes. So
0: that was enough for
1: you. <laughs> yeah, yeah Twitter's, not, Twitter's not my social media jam.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. Uh, Facebook.com slash from many people strength pod. Um, I have a new website, so this is no longer valid. Uh, I'll have to get this changed. <laughs> the new website is skeptical Okay.
1: Got rid of the pod in the WordPress. That's right. Yeah.
0: Shorter is can, better. I like it. Shorter is better. That's right. And check it out. Skepticalleftist.com. It's it's very nice. I did a lot of work on it. <laughs> okay. uh, from many at gmail.com is our email. And if you would like to send us a dollar or two, you can do that by going to buymeacoffee.com slash from many peoples.
1: And with that, thank you, David, for joining me. Uh, thank you, as always, for all the work you do, Corey. And uh, see you in a couple weeks. Be bad. Take care.